María Esther Cáceres, acercándote a tu comunidad en tu familia Sol. El próximo 8 de noviembre se lleva a cabo las elecciones intermedias en los Estados Unidos. ¿A quiénes se elegirán? Bueno, se elegirán a los 435 representantes a la Cámara de Representantes del Congreso de los Estados Unidos y también de los 100 miembros del Senado se renovarán 35 escaños. De otra parte, en al menos 36 estados se elegirán a los gobernadores, entre otros cargos locales y estatales. En lo que respecta al estado de Maryland, quiero recordarles que la votación anticipada se realizará hasta el jueves 3 de noviembre. Y en el estado de Maryland, los votantes elegirán como gobernador entre candidatos con opiniones opuestas, por ejemplo, en temas de importancia como la educación, la seguridad, la participación de la policía en asuntos de inmigración, así como el aborto. El candidato republicano es Dan Cox, abogado y representante del Distrito 4. Él es del condado de Frederick y ha recibido el apoyo del expresidente Donald Trump. Dan Cox se califica a sí mismo como una persona con valores conservadores. Por otra parte, tenemos al candidato Wes Moore, un veterano de guerra y autor de libros de venta exitosa. Uno de sus libros, por ejemplo, que incluso se lee en algunas escuelas en el condado de Montgomery, es uh, The Other Wes Moore. Bueno, nosotros hemos tenido la oportunidad de hablar con el candidato demócrata Wes Moore, a quien obviamente le he hecho preguntas sobre la comunidad latina en el estado de Maryland. Ya les presento entonces la entrevista realizada esta semana. Gracias por todos y mucho gusto. Muchas gracias. Bueno, para conversar sobre algunos temas relacionados a la comunidad latina y a la comunidad en general, we will start with the first question. Hispanics are the second largest minority group in Maryland. It's a growing community that faces many challenges in the state. What would you do to help this community? Yes, well, you know, making sure that uh, that Maryland has a thriving Hispanic community is, is very is very important to me. It's also making sure that we have a thriving immigrant community is very personal to me as well. Uh, you know, mi abuela es de Cuba, and you know, I know that uh, I come from an immigrant family, and making sure that we have a thriving immigrant population becomes incredibly important to a thriving Maryland. And when you consider the strength of our Hispanic community, uh, you know, here in the in the state of Maryland. You know, we really do have a state that thrives deeply on the ability to have a thriving Hispanic community. It makes up a large portion of our economic base, a large portion of our population, a large portion of our entrepreneurship culture here in the state of Maryland. And so our platform to create pathways for work, wages and wealth for all families, that means and includes that the Hispanic population and our immigrant communities are also being heard and respected in that conversation as well. I'm going to read part of an article by Gabriela Lemus, Executive Director of Maryland Latinos Unidos. Quotation marks, the 2020 census demonstrated how community representation has not kept up with the rapid growth of Latinos nationwide, particularly here in the state of Maryland, where we lack in every area of representation. It could be said that Latinos are most invisible. Few Latinos sit on commissions or are appointed to positions of authority. What are your comments? I think the reality uh, is very much uh, is very much understood when people hear about the fear of not being heard and not being represented. It's the reason why I have a commitment within uh, within our administration that uh, that you, everyone in the state of Maryland will be seen and heard and reflected in our administration. We are going to have an administration that is going to look like the state of Maryland. 
and that and that includes uh, making sure that we have Latinos in, inside of our administration in senior positions. It means that we are going to ensure that we're recruiting for everything from educators and teachers to nurses and doctors so that the people, when they are uh, actually dealing with and, and, uh, and in contact with institutions within our state, that they can see people who look like them and reflect them, reflect their histories and reflect their cultures. And so I agree that the challenge of it is real in the state of Maryland as it is amongst the, the rest of this country. That is why it's important for us to be deliberate and intentional about being able to address that. How do you plan to address discriminatory police practices in the state that prevents undocumented immigrants who are victims of crimes from making a police report? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the challenges that we have when it comes to policing in our communities, it is real. And we have to be able to address policing on a general frame, and that includes things like how are we going to make sure we're fixing parole and probation, making sure that people are safe in their own communities, but it also means making sure that people are safe, are going to be safe in their own skin. And that means things like, as we're, you know, when you look at, for example, in Maryland, the Dignity Not Detention Act, uh, you know, ability to shut down private ICE detentions in Maryland and to stop police officers from asking about immigration status. That becomes important because there have been rampant human rights abuses that are happening in ICE, in ICE detention centers around the country, you know, informally right here in Maryland. And then so I'm proud that the Maryland General Assembly made the decision to, uh, to not participate in that. And also being able to then come back and focus, focus deeply on ensuring that we can both be a safe and inclusive environment and also be one that respects human rights. And those do not have to be mutually exclusive. We have to as a state do both. The Department of State Police doesn't represent the diverse community in the state. I understand that a very minimal percentage of law enforcement are Hispanics or Latinos. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and, you know, we need to have a police force that is reflective of the community. When people say that doesn't matter, that is just not true, because it still goes back to the question of when law enforcement are patrolling communities, who do they see? And if they see someone that, if they, if they see, oh, I know that person, it's one of the reasons I'm a big believer in community policing. And also, you know, you being able to utilize community policing to be able to focus on things like recruitment. I want for our law enforcement to, when they are looking at individuals and they are going about the business of protecting and serving communities, that they are seeing communities and they understand the humanity of the communities that they are representing and the, and the humanity of the communities that they are policing. But it also means that we need to have policies that law enforcement are going to follow that are going to be important to our immigrants and important to our Hispanic communities. So it's a, the reason why we talk about things like, you know, where we are, uh, you know, that Maryland must end all, uh, all, all 287G programs and programs that deputize police as federal agents when it comes to ICE that police officers should not be acting as immigration agents. You know, that, that we still have counties in the state of Maryland, that, you know, at least three counties in the state of Maryland, well, that still currently exists, that we want to make sure that there's never reason to have ICE in, in schools and hospitals and courthouses. And part of that is both about making sure that we have proper representation inside of our law enforcement and making sure that the laws that law enforcement officials are going to follow, that they actually correlate to the communities that they're, that they're protecting and serving. The last statistics regarding education are not favorable. The nation's report card shows that the students fell behind in reading and math, including students in Maryland. How would you plan to fix these results? There's a few different things that we have to do, um, you know, one of which is we have to start earlier. Right now, we know that 80% of all brain development happens in a child by the time that child is five years old. 
So we should make sure and we will make sure that we have pre-K for every child in need in the state of Maryland. We have to make sure that we have that we're actually introducing things like apprenticeship programs and trade programs into our schools. So our students understand that uh, whether they go on to a four year school or not, whether they're going to become a carpenter or an iron worker or work in uh, or work a trade that there need to be pathways for their long-term economic success as well. And I think about that too, where, you know, that became something that was very personal to me. I know there were two things that helped to save me. One was a mom mm -hmm. who, uh, who wouldn't quit. And the second was an education system that taught me that the world was bigger than what was directly in front of me. And we have to have a world-class education system for all of our students so they understand what options they have to do well in life, uh, you know, post their, uh, post their K-12 existence. Governor Hogan cut millions in funding for education programs and teachers. Would you support more investment in education? I, I will absolutely support more, uh, you know, more funding. And, and I'll support that we're going to be intentional. That is not just going to be about uh, supporting more in capital, which I, which I do. I believe in, for example, I believe in the blueprint for Maryland's future, which was a groundbreaking piece of legislation that we actually needed a, a veto override in order to make happen. But, but I believe that, that our children deserve a 21st century investment in 21st century schools. But I also believe that it needs to be targeted, that it's not and, and targeted and accountable, that it's not just about you know, writing, you know, providing more resources or writing a bigger check. It's also on making sure that we have full accountability over that capital to make sure that it's serving all of our students and not just some, and particularly mm -hmm. the students who there might be a greater challenge for them to be able to come on board. What are your policies regarding including minorities in your administration? Well, I mean, one thing that people will see is if you look at our, if you look at our campaign, if you look at, uh, at my history, where, uh, you know, where every organization that I've ever run before, and I say this because you know, I, I've been involved in public service for much of my adult life, I just haven't been a politician. But if you look at every organization that I've run, incorporating minorities and having a diverse team was a hallmark of all of my endeavors. And that's exactly how I plan on being as the governor for the state of Maryland, where you're going to watch significant participation and involvement of communities of color inside of our administration. You're going to watch how we're going to focus on creating pathways for work, wages, and wealth for all of our families, because I believe economics is going to be the key to driving long-term growth and success. And I believe that we are going to make sure that, uh, that we're leveraging some of our anchor institutions, our, our community development financial institutions, our CFIs, our HBCUs, and our, and our minority-serving institutions, our MSIs, that this is going to be a powerful way of, of being able to make sure that the conversation that we will have is an inclusive conversation and one that is going to focus on growth for all of our families and not just some. Some opponents try to portray you as a potential governor who will force people to get vaccinated. How would you reply? I would reply that my opponent does not tell the truth. My opponent has a, a very real problem, both with democracy. And this is a person who is an election denier who tried to, uh, who asked people to join him on January 6th to storm the Capitol. But he's also a person who repeatedly says things about my positions that are just not true. I believe in and I have on my on my site that we will push to make sure that uh, that in all aspects that things will stay open. And that includes our schools, that includes our, uh, our, our homes of worship, that includes our businesses, uh, but that they will stay open and safe. Uh, and I, I believe and, you know, and I know that this is where my opponent is because my opponent tried to impeach Governor Larry Hogan. Uh, 
and by the way, no report, no Republicans supported him, and it did not happen. But he tried to impeach the governor because the governor was choosing to follow science when we had a major global pandemic uh, that descended upon our country. Uh, and I know that I am going to lead an administration that is going to honor science. I'm going to lead an administration that is going to listen to experts, but I'm going to lead an administration that's going to focus on keeping things open and safe. And that is how I plan on leading. Candidate Wes Moore, it's a constant concern. Are you planning on raising taxes? No, there's there's uh, there's nothing in my plan at all that calls for the raising that calls for the raising of taxes. I don't think we need to. I think that we have a unique opportunity right now to be bold. I think we have a unique opportunity to build and to invest, but we do not have to raise taxes in order to accomplish uh, in order to accomplish those things. You know, I think we have uh, not just new sources of revenue to include cannabis, new source of revenue to include sports betting, new sources of revenue to include federal dollars that are coming on board that is focused on things like education and transportation and infrastructure. We also have a structural surplus in the state of Maryland in the billions. So there's nothing in my plan, not a word, that calls for the raising of taxes. And uh, But I do think that we also do have a generational opportunity to be able to make make true investments to create long-term economic growth for all of our families. Why would a Latino voter consider voting for you? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, that it's, it's uh, you know, it's incredibly important that people understand how personal, you know, this is for me. Mi abuela es de Cuba. Estoy emocionado por este momento. Ahora es el momento y tenemos que votar. If we are able to do this together, that we are going to be successful as a state. I believe deeply that divided, we cannot win. United, we cannot lose. And I think that so much of the growth that I am hoping to see uh, throughout the state of Maryland is going to be led and driven by the growth and the economic growth and the stability of the Latino community. Uh, and so I'm very excited. I'm proud of my background. I'm proud of my family. I'm proud of my culture. And I'm very excited about where the state is going to go in the future. Candidate Moore, are you talking about your uh, abuela materna or abuela paterna? Abuela materna. Muy bien, abuela materna. Y, y ahora, uh, uh, es uh, 95 años. Oh, ¿tiene 95 años? Sí, sí, sí. Mm. Vive, vive en Maryland, vive en, uh, en Anne Arundel County ahora. Felicidades. Ya para terminar, why do you believe your opponent is not a good fit? Well, you know, I, 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 I know my, my opponent, and we just have very different values. You know, my opponent is someone who is an election denier. You know, someone who, who has already said that he, you know, might not honor the results of this election, but we should not hold our breath because he still hasn't honored the results of the, last, of the 2020 election. This is a person who has said that he would ban and criminalize all abortions for both patients and providers, even in the case of incest and rape. This is a person who, who has said and repeatedly said that when it comes to the, the basics, foundational understanding of our state, you know, that he would have ordered the FBI to go after the national, he would, he would have ordered the National Guard of Maryland to go after the FBI as they conduct search warrants. And so he's an extremist. He's an extreme election-denying conspiracy theorist, and I do not believe that he fits with where the state of Maryland is. But the thing that I do know is this, is, you know, I'm not asking people to support the campaign because they should be afraid of something. 
I'm asking people to support the campaign because I'm asking them to believe in something that in this moment and in this time in the state of Maryland, that we can build and grow together, that we can be united. And if we're able to do that, then I think for all of our communities uh, and and especially uh, our Latino community, we're going to have a champion in Annapolis in the next governor. Candidate Westmore, thank you for speaking with me today, for reaching out. And now you have the opportunity to, to say bye in Spanish. Oh, gracias, gracias. And, and I, I was saying, you know, one more, one more quick thing as well, that, you know, that my, for myself and my running mate, my running mates actually will be the first immigrant ever elected to statewide office in the history of the state of Maryland. For both her and me, how I remember with her mother and my mother, they were once sitting together. I acknowledged them both to the crowd, and I told them how her mother immigrated to this country from India. My mother immigrated to this country from Jamaica. And when they came, they, they hoped not just for, you know, a hope for their future, but a hope for their families. And with their help and with all of your help, we will be able to, uh, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be sitting together in January, you know, when uh, during inauguration to watch their two children become the governor and lieutenant governor of a state that helped to welcome them. Now, this is a beautiful state, and it's a state that we all have to feel a sense of not just ownership, but belonging. And I could not be more thankful to ask you for your vote. I could not be more grateful for the opportunity to be with you today. But, uh, but in order for us to, to win, tenemos que votar. And if we do that, this is going to be a very good decade for the state of Maryland. So, so muchas gracias. Uh, gracias por todos. Gracias, uh, no, gracias uh, por, por, su, uh, por su imaginación y, y todos por, uh, por la comunidad. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. María Esther Cáceres en tu familia Sol por el Sol 107.9.